Today on Ruta Daily, we talk about how every tap on your phone matters. Welcome to Ruta Daily, the podcast where in 10 minutes or less, each day we root you in the Bible so you can grow with God, you can weather the storms of life, and you can bear fruit. Now, I'm Brandon Levy, and today we are talking about why what you do online matters. It has temporal and eternal significance, but unfortunately, it seems that we are woefully unprepared. We're past the tipping point. About 50% of the American population right now was born after the advent of the internet. They grew up online, and every generation has had some new challenge. TV, radio, both brought unforeseen challenges into the home. But the internet has been something else entirely, probably the biggest shift in communication since the printing press. For a big chunk of people, young and old, the internet is as much a part of their lives as anything else. Yet, you do a quick search for resources on how a Christian should prepare for this new world online, and you'll find very little that is both biblical and accurate. Here's what I found. I did a quick search on Google. There are certainly some good resources that I overlooked, and if you know of them, feel free to share it with me in the comments. But what I found was a Google search result with about 60% being articles or videos directed at Christian men to confront pornography. About 30% were abstract warnings for parents about the dangers of the internet and specific apps and websites they should be concerned about. And the rest were general explanations of the internet for Christians, most of which look like they were written a few years ago. And I don't want to be unfair. There's good work among these. The church should be addressing the sin of pornography among both men and women among us, especially with how it's being committed by our leaders and our kids. And the church should help parents understand specific dangers their kids are facing. But the internet is a big thing, and there is so much more that we need to be turning to God's word for wisdom on beyond just these few issues. Assuming that the national statistics hold for the church, middle-aged Christians spend about 30 hours a week online consuming media. How we are getting prepared for that huge chunk of our lives is important. So let's start with why sin is perhaps a little more tempting online versus anywhere else. You know, the Bible talks uh, about sexual sin a great deal. Hebrews 13.4 says that marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. And Paul commands us to flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. The Bible has a clear and important demand for Christians to be sexually pure, and pornography defiles that purity. Jesus made that clear. He says, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart, Matthew 5, 28. Again, we must continue to confront the sin of lust. And I think the church is. Maybe it's an uncomfortable subject that may not be preached from pulpits every Sunday, but it's pretty clear just from that quick Google search that there are many good resources on this issue. And there are support systems for this too, and they're within the church. And if you want to send me an email, be happy to connect you with those. But I'm not talking about this because I think it's the primary threat of the internet. But because of this quote I found in an article from the Gospel Broadcasting Network, they said, it has been said that the three A's of the internet, 
have caused the porn industry to explode with growth. Those three A's are accessibility, affordability, and anonymity. And we may even add the word addiction and make it four A's. Those things have made the pornography industry reach record numbers worldwide, end quote. Now, what they're saying is porn is free. It's available to anyone, young and old, male and female, unless precautions are taken. It is addicting, and to top it all off, it feels anonymous. It feels like no one's ever going to know. You can leave the worship service in the morning and pull it up as soon as you get home. No one's going to be the wiser, so you think. And this rakes in $12 billion in revenue every year because the industry has made sin easier than it was before. Yeah, I think about what Paul wrote in Romans 1. There are people who turn away from God to invent ways of doing evil, as Paul puts it. That's one of the reasons God didn't just give us a rule book with a checklist to follow. People are so evil that we keep coming up with new and better ways of sinning. And the internet is a powerful tool for these inventors. You know, but far beyond sexual sin, the internet makes many kinds of evil feel more accessible, affordable, anonymous, and addicting. Gossip, gambling, hateful, corrupt, bigoted speech, violence, or at least preparing to physically hurt someone, envy, discord, idolatry, just to name a few, have all become easier to commit without the same costs and seemingly anonymous. Now, I can't refute the first two A's. My online sin is mostly free to commit. And while there are safeguards that you can place on your web browsers, that's something every Christian should probably consider adding. Online sin's probably going to remain accessible though. We can try to change that. We can make it harder, costlier to sin, but ultimately we're going to find a way around any obstacles we place in our way if we don't rethink the third A, anonymity. Yeah, I've been saying the internet makes these sins seem anonymous. Because while that may be our feeling, it doesn't reflect reality. We're not truly anonymous online. Sure, you might go into private mode in Google Chrome, so at least our analytics won't show you jumping straight from BibleGateway.com straight into sin. But what you're doing isn't really private. This belief that we are anonymous online is our pride talking to us in two ways. First, in our pride, we believe we will remain anonymous because we think our sin won't have any immediate consequences. Setting aside eternal punishment for the moment, we think for right now, we can get away with sin. Who's going to know when we post that anonymous, hateful, and crude comment? Who's going to know when we slip onto a website that will cause us to lust? And you may be right that no one will ever catch you in the act, but they will recognize the side effects. You know, sin is like an infection. Even though we rarely learn how it got started, eventually, if it's not treated, it will take over the whole body. In Galatians 5, when Paul lists kinds of sin, he says the works of the flesh are evident. You know, the sin, it may start small, may start anonymous, but eventually it grows into something that is clear and evident. When James talks about the dangers of the tongue, he calls it a small member that stains the whole body like a fire. Sin has evident consequences. Even if the initial cause is never found, the infection will grow, and eventually it won't be able to be ignored. Adultery 
will rip apart our marriages. Gossip will destroy our friendships. Gambling will wreck our self-control. Crude comments will taint our purity. We can't let pride blur our view. Our seemingly anonymous sin won't stay anonymous for long. Second, we think our online sin is anonymous because we boastfully forget that our actions and even our thoughts cannot be hidden from God. Yet every click we make is known and matters to God. In our pride, we act like the reason we don't sin is because people may find out and that may tarnish their impression of us. We may even have more noble motivations. We don't want to tarnish the name of Christ by letting our sin be known. And so we turn to the internet because we think we can hide there. Now, we're not entirely wrong to have these feelings of shame and fear. Sin should cause that. If people find us living lives of sin, that will tarnish both our reputation and the reputation of God. But in the grand scheme of things, that's small potatoes. No matter how hard we try to cover up our sin, God will not be fooled. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not Mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. God knows us even better than we know ourselves, and we are not anonymous to him. He sees the good and the bad and the ugly, and no matter how hard we try to pridefully hide our sin, he will not be mocked. We aren't going to make the internet less accessible. We're not going to make it less affordable. We're not going to make it less addicting. It's just a fact of life now. And Christians need to learn how to prepare for it, just like anything else in life. And once we're able to break past this illusion of anonymity on the internet, we can start leaning on our families and on other Christians and on God to make every click we make count. That'll do it for this episode of Rooted Daily, and I'm looking forward to sitting down and studying God's Word with you next time. Thank you so much for stopping for this episode of Rooted Daily. It is so important to take a few minutes to root ourselves in Christ and in His Word, and I'm so glad you did it with us today. If you think that it's important that others hear this good news, make sure to hit the share button, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app, whether that's Spotify or YouTube. It helps us reach more and more people with the message of Jesus every day. Most importantly, if you're ready to take the next step, repent, be baptized, and hand over your life to Christ, shoot me an email to brandon at rooteddaily.com right now.